thank you for gathering brilliant, brilliant people. Every one of us unique. Every one of us dearly loved. And I just pray that you'd use this moment just to stir us again, Father. Lord, use someone like me to stir brilliant people like this. Lord God, that we'd leave this place with a sense of purpose and mission. We'd leave this place more equipped to be a little bit more like you, Jesus. And in it all, I pray we can laugh lots, cheer each other on, and spur each other on to good deeds. And all God's people said, turn to two people and say, it's going to be good. Okay, my title, if you like titles, is Walking in Someone Else's Shoes. It's a concept I'm sure you're familiar with, but I want to unpack it. A nice picture like that, they really are someone else's shoes. And um, it's a, a concept I just want to unpack a little bit to you. But has anyone seen the film Wonder Woman? Give me a wave. All the men are like, oh, yes, I have. <laughs> uh, we watched it as a family the other night. Um, Evie's pick, not mine. Or Sarah's, or Josh's. Evie's pick. But we honoured Evie. She wanted to see Wonder Woman. So we watched Wonder Woman. Actually, it's a reasonable film. It was okay. But at the end, in it all, there's all this commotion and explosions and stuff. And then she ends the film and she says this, love wins. I was like, go on, the gospel according to Wonder Woman. I love it. But it's great, isn't it, that even in mainstream movies, there's preaching truth. Love wins. And yet, could we be people who could be a little bit better at love? You know, all of you are brilliant people. I'm sure you're all kind. I'm sure you're all good. I'm sure you're full of love. But could we even say, I want to be a bit more like Jesus? Because I dare say he was better at love than me. Because God is love. He's not just good at it. It's what he is. And so if we could say, if love's going to win, could I be more, a re better representation of what love is? And so I want to take us on this journey today. I want to start off with our theme verse. I hope you're starting to grasp what our theme verse is. It's Mark 10, verse 45, and it's Jesus speaking. For the Son of Man, for Jesus, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And through till Christmas now, we're challenging ourselves not to make our lives just about me. You know, all of, our, all of our default modes is to sort me out first. That is our default mode because we're people. But Jesus says, I want to shift that a little bit. I came that you would have the fullest life and I want you to have a good life and I want you to enjoy that. Trust me with that. But I want you not to make it about you. I want you to make it about someone else. And as we do that and we serve someone else up, what we're doing is representing Jesus. We're bending down and saying, I love you enough to lift your life up, even if it costs me something. And right there is love. And so I want you to get it, you know, get that verse on your fridge or in your bedroom or whatever it might be. So it's in the forefront of your mind because your default mode will be, it's about me. It just will. You know, I'm a lead pastor. I live like that. I constantly challenge myself to be a little bit more like Jesus. Could I make my life about someone else today? And then wake up the next day. Could I make my life about someone else today? And you build a pattern. You build a lifestyle which represents love and represents Jesus. And so today I want to talk on tender love. And I challenge myself a lot because I want to build a church where the men feel comfortable. You know what? Most churches, it's a really good mix, by the way. Girls, can you give our men a round of applause, please? Yes, yes. And all the men go, ooh. Oh, dear, that was so poor. Ooh. Oh, there's a, there's, there's a man in the house. He's over here somewhere. But here's the thing. When you start talking about a topic about tender love, all the men switch off and go, really? Really though, tender love, really. But you know what? Tender love's tough. Tender love's a difficult thing to do sometimes because it relies on you being about someone else. And I just know that there's some tenderness in all of us men, definitely the women, but in all of us men there is some tenderness. 
And we need to say, God, bring it out of me. It isn't my default mode, but it doesn't make you a wimp. Jesus was both tough and tender in the right measures at the right times, and all of us can do that if we try. But the challenge is, could we be more tender, which won't be our default mode? See, I know Jesus. He's marked my very soul. I've encountered him. He's changed my world. I've seen miracles in my life. I've seen doors open that shouldn't have opened, but I know he did. I've seen amazing things in my life, and yet still I wrestle with this stuff. Why am I so cold and hard and tough? Anyone relate to that? Why, do, why did I even say that? I'm a bad person. Because there's something in me that's just like, oh, but I want to say, God, just stop. Don't let it be about me all the time. Help me to be more like you. Here's a great verse for you in Colossians 3, verse 12. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love that right there. Clothe yourself. When you wear clothes, people see them. Check out the person next to you. What on earth have they got on today? They actually went to the shop and bought that. But they, when you clothe yourself with something, people see it. And God is encouraging us to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. These are tender words. And that's the encouragement. Put it on display. Don't say, I am tender, but no one ever sees it. Put it on display. That's the encouragement. That's where I want to get to through this morning. For some people, tenderness is reflex. That's just their natural demeanor. Brilliant. Love those people. For some people, it's not. You know, I was recently on a, on a trip um, going to Scotland. Uh, we flew up there, and uh, airport's an amazing place. And you see so much stuff happening. And there was this old lady, and now I don't know how old she was, but I would say 85 plus, maybe 90 plus. I don't know. She was elderly and frail. And she was struggling along with her bags. And quite frankly, she was getting in everyone's way. And who knows when you're in an airport, you, your name's been called and you've got to get there. And this poor old dear, she was struggling along and, and doddering about and wasn't quite sure if she was coming or going. And she was in the way. Now, who knows that everyone in the airport has a response to make to that. Do you say, stupid old biddy, get out the way, I've got to make my plane? Or do you say, wow, can I help? And we're all sitting there thinking, wow, you're so true. But it is true. It's true in that instance, but it's true in life all of the time. Now, it was great because I, I stood and watched and some person came up alongside her and picked up her bags and she held on to them. Oh, thanks. And old people are so grateful. And yet we get the right hump sometimes because they're slower than us. But the trouble is we're going to be old one day. How about starting being a bit compassionate to people, a bit tender to people? We all have a decision to make. Has anyone experienced or even dished out some road rage? Come on, there's more of you than that. You know what I'm saying. Do you know why road rage happens? Because you're trying to get somewhere, you're probably late, and you want to get there quickly. And then you get someone who's just enjoying their afternoon drive, tottering along, doing absolutely nothing wrong, quite frankly. But you're in my way. You are going 29 miles an hour. I could run faster than that. And you hammer past them on a blind bend, giving them the one finger as you go past. Because that's what people do. Why? Because we're cold and tough and hard, and I'm about something. I've got to get there. But Jesus says, clothe yourself with gentleness, compassion, humility. How about actually 
slow down a little bit. How about just take a second to be kind to someone? That old lady. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were the one who saw an old lady or any person who was struggling, and rather than be so busy, you stopped and you went over and said, can I help? Do you know what that is? That is putting tenderness on display. That is clothing yourself. Lots of people might have thought it, but it's only the one that does it that puts it on display. And that is a challenge to the church. Shouldn't we all be living something a bit more like that? And so my hope today is that we will all leave at least prepared to take a step towards that kind of lifestyle. Or we were prepared to say, God, just soften my heart a bit. Help me to slow down and look around me. Because there's brilliant people out there. I want to use the story of the Good Samaritan to highlight some of this. And I guess probably one of the most famous stories in the whole Bible. Probably people who've never been to church would understand this story. But let's look at it anyway. Luke 10, 30 through 37 says this. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these, then, do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do Likewise, not go and think likewise, go and do likewise. And here's what I want to highlight here. You know, being religious doesn't necessarily mean you're tender, loving or kind. People put religion on and they will wear the right things and say the right things. But what's going on in here? And Jesus was far more interested in what was going on here than what was going on, on the outside. And Jesus has never been into religion. He's always been into relationship. I lead a church and so many people go, are you religious? And I hate that because I am not religious. I have a relationship with my maker who loves me. And I do things and live in a way out of a relationship with him because I love him because he loved me. Not because I have to and not because I want to look good, but because I have a relationship with him. And so here's this guy walking along who chose in the moment to stop his busy day and care for someone else. It begs the question, can we stop in our moments and love people where we are? So often we talk about mission in church and we send someone somewhere. And that is good, it is right, and it is helpful. But you know what? We're all on mission every day. The reality is, whether you're a university student, whether you're at work, whether you're at home running a household, whether you're at school, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, you have been put there to live on mission every day. But the trouble is, we get so busy doing our study, running our homes, doing our stuff, that we don't stop and look around us and be tender in the moment, which is exactly the same as the two first guys who we don't think we're like. But Jesus says, look at the guy who stopped. Look at the guy who was tender and stepped in. That cost him something. 
He took a day out of his busy schedule to spend the night with him and make sure he was okay. He paid money to say, take care of him. I'm going to come back, and if it's cost any more, I'll give it to you. That is tenderness on display right there. Clothe yourself. Can you see the picture? It's not just a nice story. It's a real truth that applies right now to us. Did that guy bring heaven here now? You see, heaven's a place where there's no lack. Did he come in and meet that bloke's lack? Heaven's a place full of love. Did he go in and bring love to that guy? He wasn't the religious guy, but he was the one bringing heaven here now. And I want to say, church, shouldn't we be the ones bringing heaven here now? And there will be someone tomorrow in your life who you could bring heaven to. There will be someone on Tuesday in your life you could bring heaven to. Or are we going to be too busy? And that is a challenge to all of us every single day. Bring it where you are now. There's lots of reasons for your natural demeanor, tender or tough. And can I say both are valid? I will do a message on tough love because tough love is valid too. It's a whole different picture. I had to do some tough love with my boy Joshua yesterday. Tough being a dad like that. You know, I want my boy to do well. And sometimes you've just got to say the hard thing, not to be unkind, but actually to be kind. And that's a topic for another day. We'll look at that. And that's when we'll all go, yeah, I can do that one. But it has to come out of a place of tenderness, even being tough. And so here we are. You know, you might be tough naturally. You might be tender naturally. But the goal is to be more like Jesus, who was tender and tough at the right times. And so could we be people who say, well, do you know what? It's a family trait of mine. My dad was tough. My granddad was tough. My mum's tough. We're just a tough family. Well, that might be true. But that doesn't mean you can't say, Lord, make me a little bit more like you. You know, it might be that you've been through a whole bunch of stuff in your life which has been really unpleasant and really hurtful, and it's toughened you up. I'm sure at one level or another, lots of people can say, that's me. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't say, God, you're the great healer. Come and heal my heart so I can be tender again. We need to be people prepared to stop making excuses for our toughness and say, God, help me to be tender so that I can stop in the busyness of my life and show someone heaven now and bring heaven to earth now you can do it turn to the person next to you and say you can do it tough people are always busy always heading somewhere the reason we don't help the old lady at the airport is because we're going somewhere the reason why the, the the mom on the school run doesn't stop and have a coffee with her friend who's in tears is because she's got to go home and do the ironing and run the house she's busy we're all busy the reason we don't stop and have a coffee with someone is because i've got to go and read some notes the reason I don't do this is because I've got to go home and whatever it would be, busy, 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 busy. But how about we stop for a moment and say, Lord, open my eyes to the people around me. Because then we can bring the tenderness into action. Mark 8, 22 through 26 says this. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit in the man's eyes, anyone want some healing for some blindness this morning? <laughs> and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go back into the village. Now here's the thing. Too often we are looking at brilliant people, but they're distorted. 
And we need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, help me to see them as they really are. I find it interesting. This guy comes to Jesus and he touches him once and he begins to see. But he had to go back to Jesus and say, it's not quite right yet. And then he saw clearly. But then Jesus says, don't go back there. Don't go back to the place that caused you to be blind in the first place. Stay in that relationship with me. Stay in the place where you're going to see people clearly. Because the trouble is, you will look around you. in Whatever your life might look like right now, there are brilliant people around you, but we're looking at them distorted. And we need to say, Jesus, let me see that person as you see that person. Because do you know what? They're brilliant. Do you know those people are the object of God's affection? And yet there we are rushing past them in our car, giving them the one finger salute, going, you stupid idiot. And that person God died for. But we don't look at them like that in that moment because I'm in such a rush. We need to go back to Jesus and at the beginning of every day say, help me to be more like you. Let me see that person I'm going to encounter today a little bit more like you see them. And let me clothe myself with that to put it on display. Not just think that person's great. Show them they're great. Tell them they're great. Act on it. You can do it. You know, those people we're talking about, they are the joy set before Jesus. I love bringing this out. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And Jesus knew the cross experience was going to be horrendous. He went to his father and he was sweating blood. You've got to be fairly anxious to sweat blood. And he said, God, my dad, is there any other way? And his father said, no, you need to go through this. But what was the joy set before him that made him push through that? The joy set before him was a potential relationship with you. And that person who you cut up, and that person who's going too slow and getting on your nerves, and that person who's spoken about you behind your back, and quite frankly been a bit of a cow. Do you know what? They are the joy set before Jesus. And we need to stop seeing them through our toughness and our busyness, and start seeing them through the tenderness that Jesus brings. But they're actually someone brilliant in there. And it might just be me that helps bring it out in them. It might just be me that brings a bit of heaven to their life today because they are the joy set before Jesus. They are not to be treated like a tree. I see people, they look like trees. No, we cut trees down. We burn trees. We make paper out of trees. We don't do that with people. Why do we cut people down? Why do we burn them up? When actually we should be so tender and say, you're amazing. You know, you might be being really unkind to me right now, but I'm going to still see you how Jesus sees you and put my tenderness on display. Jesus will back you every time. Every person is a treasure to God. Let's treat them like that. And you know what? It doesn't matter what nationality. It doesn't matter what sexual persuasion. Huge issue in church, isn't it? But you know what? It doesn't matter what you think's right or wrong. God still loves them. And we need to love them. You know, it doesn't matter what food they eat. It doesn't matter whether they're a business person. It doesn't matter whether they're a waitress. It doesn't matter if they're a single mum. It doesn't matter if they're a student. It doesn't matter what their situation is. God loves them. And so must me. We need to say, God, give me your heart for people. Open my eyes to see people. Everyone, everyone is invited to the king's banquet in life. Jesus invites them tenderly. The question is, do you? And we need to be people who are prepared to say, let me be a bit more like you. I want to include you in my life. I want to step out of my life into your life. I want a relationship with you where I can show you something of Jesus that will be life-changing. Here's something that I believe tender-hearted do differently to hard-hearted people. They feel that 
other person feels. When you look at someone's life and you see their struggle and you feel their struggle, it changes how you see them. And this is where that concept comes about walking in someone else's shoes. We all know that principle. That's not a revelation to you, I'm sure. But how about not just knowing the principle, but applying the principle? How about looking at someone who might be behaving in a really unpleasant way, who might be angry, but, but then thinking to yourself, what has got them to that place? Because you don't know what's happening. But when you engage with them and feel what they feel, you get some empathy for them. But then you can step in with the love of Jesus and bring change. Not just leave them struggling like that, but see them as Jesus saw them and then bring Jesus into the situation and it will change stuff. I don't know if any of you have ever heard Pete preach on, on, on trafficking. Is Pete in the room? Over there? See him. But, but Pete has preached three or four times um, on, the, on trafficking in church and the part of the heart of God towards that. And without fail, on every occasion, he completely falls apart. It's almost become a little bit of a, bit of a joke in our church, but he takes it on the chin, it's great. But the reason he does that is because he has studied and looked into what these young children are going through. Four years old, five years old, six years old, being sold to depraved men who want to have sex with them. And he doesn't just know that, he feels that. And so when he stands up and says, come on, church, not on my watch, he falls apart. And we're like, oh, come and pull yourself together, Pete. But actually, he is displaying the heart of the Father. And don't we need to be people who start feeling what other people are feeling so that we get it? You're grumpy, you're angry at the world, but you've been through some stuff. And you know what? I'm not going to judge you for that. I'm just going to love you. And you might push me away, but you know what? I'm going to love you anyway. Because I get a sense and an understanding of who you are. And I see you through the eyes of Jesus. And actually, you're brilliant. A bit broken right now, maybe. But you're brilliant. And I'm going to treat you like that. See, that's challenging. But it's this tender heart of the Father that we put on display. You know, we've got lots of people here who've worked at Beacon House, which is the homeless center here in town. And I had always made an assumption about homeless people. And maybe you have. You know, maybe they're drug user, maybe, you know, alcoholic, a gambler, whatever it might be, some kind of dropout in society. But you know what? That's not always true. Sometimes it is. But often, you know, two things can happen in someone's life to, to cause you to be homeless. If you lost your job and in the same period of time your marriage broke down, there is a very high chance you would be homeless. And we've met people just like you and me living on the streets. And everyone makes a judgment on you. Oh, look at you, you're homeless. You don't know their story. It could be you and it could be me. And everyone pushes them aside and marginalizes them and spits on them or maybe throws them a quid. But it could have been me or you. And how about we start feeling for people? Do they want to be in that situation? Of course they don't. Do we know why they're there? Not unless you ask. But unless we can feel something. And then more than that, step in, because I want to get to the place where it's not just about feeling it, it's about making a difference, because we carry the greatest message of hope of all time, don't we church? Let me show you something here in Joel 2, 25 and 26, and this is a, as applicable now as it's ever been. God speaking to you, and God giving you this message to take to someone else, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. 
the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts that swarm, many, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. This is a great message. We serve the God of restoration. We can empathize with people, feel for people when we see them how Jesus is, but we can't leave them there because we carry the authority of Jesus and he's the one who brings restoration. You might have had stuff stolen from your life, but I want to tell you that God's going to give it back to you over and above. And I believe that's true for everyone in this building right now, but I also believe you need to carry that to give to someone else so that you bring hope to them. You are not going to be stuck in this situation for your life. It is not your end. It's a moment. But I came to tell you that Jesus is bringing you out and he sent me into your life. But to get to that conversation, you need to be tender. We need to get past ourselves and serve someone else. Get past our preconceived ideas and start seeing it clearly. Step in with tenderness, knowing that we carry this message. And wouldn't it be great if one day someone who you actually bothered to show some love with was transformed? Maybe even came to church and sat next to you. Maybe one time we've got the, the praise going and they're standing next to you going, thank you, Jesus. And what had happened? Jesus said, you eat. Because you are the light of the world right now. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. It's you. And if you don't step up, no one's going to. But we need to do that from a place of tenderness, don't we, church? We need to do that from a place of not, oh, I'm going to tell you what's right and wrong, but I feel your pain. I see the brilliance in you. But I serve a God who's going to draw you out of that. He sent me to love you. You carry a great message. How would it feel if you had a rent or a mortgage to pay and you just couldn't meet it? How would it feel if you had children and you just couldn't feed them? We all assume it never happened to me, but yes, it did. Wouldn't you then be relying on someone who is tender-hearted to be there for you? How would it feel if you were disabled and couldn't get around? Wouldn't you be relying on someone who's tender-hearted for you? How would it feel if you were the minority in a, in a locality? You would want someone to be tender-hearted for you. So how about, could our prayer today be, God, soften my heart so I will be the one who is tender for someone. So that we can be the people who bring heaven to earth in practical ways. Now, sometimes I go to bed and I cheer myself on because I wasn't mean to someone. You know, God's given me a character to, to lead a, a growing church. I have to be tough sometimes. People have got an opinion on me and us and everything, but you either just fall over everyone's opinion and you say, shove that, I'm going there anyway. And God's given me that. I'm a tough old cookie. I like, have you ever seen the Michael McIntyre one where he dips the biscuits? No, I won't go there. No, not doing that. <laughs> he, he, he dips the rich tea biscuit, and as he brings it out, half of it's still in the cup. You know, it's like... <laughs> But then he, then he dips, what's the one he dips? The hobnob. And in comes the hobnob, and he dips the hobnob, and it comes out, and the hobnob goes, again! Again! More! We need some hobnob Christians. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to... Need to be tough. You need to be tough. But amongst that toughness, we need to be tender. And it's the mixture of both. It's not one or the other. It's both. And sometimes I go to bed and think, wow, you know, I've, had a, I've done well today. But the goal isn't not being mean. The goal is being more like Jesus. 
And I'd just love to get on a microphone and talk about my Jesus. Because I think too many people, especially people who are not in church, and some that are in church, have just got this wrong picture of who Jesus is. Jesus chose, by the way, chose to step out of heaven, the place where there is no tears. It is full of joy, full of acceptance, full of laughter and life, and one day we're going to be there. But he stepped out of that to come into a place where he was mocked, derided, ridiculed, pushed aside, marginalized, hated, and killed for something he didn't deserve because he loved you. He was prepared to come down and say, I'm giving my life up to lift you up. You know, so many people say Jesus and religion just boxes you in and squashes your life and it's a bunch of rules and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other thing, but you've missed it. Jesus says, I came that you'd have full life. To burst out of the box you find yourself in. You know, Jesus says this, 1 John 3, 8 says, that he, see, the reason Christ came was to destroy the works of the evil one. And we're spiritual beings. And we have this devil. Everyone knows about the devil. But he comes in and he brings things like this. He comes in and brings isolation. He comes in and he brings fear. He comes in and he, he brings low self-esteem. He comes in and he brings sickness. And we will all know people who are touched by that. And maybe you have too. But Jesus says, I came in to destroy those things. That's what's boxing you in. And I'm going to break its power on your behalf. And when he went to the cross and said, it is finished, he destroyed every power that could come at you like that. So if you're someone who wrestles with any of those things, we just need to appropriate Jesus' victory. That you don't have to stay there. That is bursting out of a box. That's not being put in a box. And we kind of miss the whole point that Jesus makes life better. Give me a wave if you've met Jesus and it's made your life better. Look around the room. Life is just better with Jesus. He came in a time when children were just brushed aside seen and not heard and yet he sat there and said let the children come to me he broke all the barriers because he loved people he rocked up and was called aside and there was this woman naked against a wall and a bunch of men with rocks saying she's an adulteress and in that time the law was if you were caught in the act of adultery you're stoned to death it was the right thing to do but Jesus was sat there You know, this Jesus that everyone thinks is horrible and boxes your life in and ruins your life. He was sat there, actual Jesus. And they said, Rabbi, what should we do? You know what he says? You, who's never sinned before, you can throw the first stone. And so they all like, oh, oh." have to drop. And they walk away. And there's this woman who has looked death in the eye, naked, ashamed, embarrassed, shaking like a leaf. I'm guessing. Build the picture yourself. And she comes to Jesus and he says, where are your accusers? Are any of them here? And she says, no. And he says, and I don't accuse you either. That's my Jesus. I don't accuse you. I haven't come to judge you. I've come to set you free. And so rather than apply the law that says you should die, Jesus applied tender love. That you might deserve to die, but I love you enough. I love you more than I love the rules. And he says, go and live a great life. Jesus, on every occasion, comes in and sets you free from stuff that's holding you back and makes your life better. I love the fact that in Zechariah 2.8, we're called the apple of his eye. You are the apple of Jesus' eye. When he looks at you, he's like, oh, isn't that amazing? And when I look at my family, I love them. I wouldn't have anyone touch my family because they're the apple of my eye. That's how God feels about you. It's amazing. And yet people say of my Jesus, 
oh, he ruins your life. No, he doesn't. He makes it a billion times better if only you'd grasp it. You're reading the wrong books, looking at the wrong people, talking to the wrong people. Come and meet Jesus yourself and see if it doesn't shift who you think he really is. Here he is on the cross, dying. They lift up to him some wine on a stick with a cloth. Always wrestled with why. Why would they do that? Is man dying? Do you know why they did it? Because that cloth was the cloth they used to wipe their backsides with. And they said, you're thirsty? Have some of that. They mocked him. He was dying. And his father had forsaken him because he couldn't look on the sin he was carrying. My sin. And it was the joy set before him. Prepared to go, this is really bad. But I love you, Barry. I love you, Ingrid. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Pete. Prepared to do this for you. They're mocking me. And the guy next to him, who's a criminal, says, would you remember me? And in the midst of his pain and suffering and rejection by his father, he turns and says, you'll be with me in paradise. See, Jesus, even in his worst moment, makes life better. And yet so many people are like, oh, Jesus, he just ruins your life. No, he doesn't. Ah! He just makes it better every time. And yet he's become a swear word. My Jesus. And yet he was prepared to go down, face Satan on my behalf and say, I'm taking those keys now. You're not having Barry. He's going to be with me in paradise. And I want to live like that now. I don't want to wait till I get there one day. I want to live like that now. And that for me means showing the heart of Jesus to people. Which means I've got to get past my toughness and be a bit more tender. Get past my busyness stop for a minute and look around me and open my eyes to see the brilliance all around me and love someone. Are you getting the picture? Are you building this with me? We need to help people get beyond their familiarity with what they think Jesus is and get to know Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, it changes your whole world. I want to show people how that really helps them. It's, um, I, I watched, I watched the, the football last week. Those of you who know me, I used to play professional football and uh, still love my football. And last weekend, Crystal Palace, who are a Premier League team, they hadn't scored a goal, not one goal all season, and hadn't got a point all season. Blank. They're having an absolute nightmare. They were playing against Chelsea, who were the title winners last year. Any Chelsea fans in the building? Nope. No one's admitting it anyway. <laughs> they were playing the champions. No goals, no points, playing against last year's best team. And they scored a goal. And the whole crowd went ballistic. And they went off at half time. And I was listening to it on the radio. And the guy said the entire stadium had stood up, giving them a standing ovation. It was only half time. They went on to win the game 2 1, which is phenomenal. But this is what grabbed me. All of their fans stood up and said, well done. You believed in yourself. You were the lowest of the low. You had no points and no goals. You were playing the best. But you dug in and believed in yourself. And we're cheering you on. And in that moment, I believe, God showed me something of heaven. Who are we? In the overall scheme of the world, who are we? A bunch of people in Colchester. But heaven's on its feet. And it's half time.
They're saying, go on, church. You can do it. Go and love them. Go and believe in yourself. Go and get past yourself. Allow me to restore you. But in the midst of that, you're going to change someone's world because you carry me with you. And heaven is standing up saying, come on, church. And for me, for my part, I want to respond to that and say, I'm going to live it. I'm not going to know it. I'm going to be it. I'm going to walk down the high street not so fast that I don't see someone. I'm not going to wake up in the morning so late that I haven't got a moment just to say, God, today's your day. Help me to be a bit more like you. I'm not going to study so hard that I haven't got a moment to have a coffee with someone who's having a difficult time. I'm not going to rush off to train the lads I train at football so fast that I haven't got a second to give someone a phone call to say, how are you? I'm going to start seeing people how Jesus sees people. And that means me being tender. So I don't know where you sit in it all. But I know this. Heaven's cheering you on. Jesus went to a cross with you on his mind in the hope that one day in 2017 you'd be stirred so much that you'd live for him. That you'd be so moved with compassion that you'd look around at the brilliant people in your life and see them properly. And not just know what to do, but to put it on display. To clothe yourself so that someone else's life is better because you're in it. And the reason it's better is because of who you carry. You're a brilliant person, but with Jesus, you are supernatural. And we are here to change the world, church. Heaven is on its feet, ready to applaud you. The question is, will you believe it? Or will we be like the rich tea biscuit and go, hobnob Christians? Come on, up again. Come on, up again. Come on, we're here to make a difference. They might have brushed me aside. They might have talked me down. They might have been unkind. But I'm still going to see them how God sees them. I'm going to go again. I'm going to love them. And the day will come where they will thank you for it. And heaven will applaud you. And I want to say it's worth it. Can I just get you to stand up? I'd love to pray for you. I just invite you just to close your eyes. Again, there's no rules in this building, but it's just helpful if you're willing just to give yourself a moment to focus. Just give the person next to you a moment to focus. We've created an environment that's tender right now. I can sense it. I hope you can too. But our hearts are open. We're like, wow, yeah, there's truth there. I wonder how many of us are saying, yes, I want to be like that. I want to live that life. I want to be that person. I want to challenge myself to be a bit more like Jesus. I just wonder what's your story? You've been through some stuff and maybe it's made you tough. And I understand that. You're a person, you're a human being. It is tough. But you don't have to stay that way. If you say, Jesus, help me. Because I want to be soft again. Maybe you're someone who's doing great, but you still feel like, oh, I just want to put my heart on display a bit more and be a bit bolder. I want to clothe myself with tenderness. I don't know where you're sitting right now, but I do know that heaven's on its feet. Saying, come on, church. Cheering you. I just want to give two or three opportunities to respond. And I just think it's helpful to respond sometimes. If you're someone here today who says, yes, Lord, 
help me to be a little bit more tender. I want to live that lifestyle that's being described here today. If that's you, just give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you there, there, there. Wow, so good. Oh, wow, it's awesome. So many people. You can put your hands down. Father God, just thank you. Thank you for these amazing, amazing people. Lord, I just pray that you'd give them a determination to be tender. I pray that you'd give them the ability to clothe their life with tenderness. Help us, Lord God, to see people and situations how you see them. Help us to slow down a second and to see it. Lord, I just pray you'd give everyone here great wisdom in speaking with people, great generosity in what they're prepared to do with their time and possessions and skills. Lord God, that someone in our world would be loved. I just wonder if there's anyone in this room who's been through some stuff and you just know that you've toughened up because of it and actually you don't want to stay like that anymore. Just give me a wave, that's you. Are you tough and you just don't want to be tough anymore? You want to just be tender. Bless you there. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I know it's only a hand raised, but I just know heaven's watching. And you're making a declaration. So, Lord God, I thank you for these people, and I don't know their stories, but I know you, Jesus. And we just invite you right now to step into lives and just bring restoration. I just speak that Joel restoration to you right now. Everything that's been stolen from you, you are getting back above and beyond. That you will find yourself in such a soft place because of the blessings that God puts in your life that you'd want to give it all away. I just speak healing to you in Jesus' name, to your, to your heart, to your thought process, to how you see yourself. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be restored by the great restorer. Thank you, Jesus. And just lastly, again, with every eye closed, is there anyone here today who wants to make sure they're leaving this place right with Jesus? Is there anyone here who says, Jesus, I want you in the middle of my life? Maybe you've never known Jesus Maybe you've stepped away from Jesus, but you want to make sure Jesus be in the middle of my life. If that's you today, give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you. Bless you. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Wow. Bless you in the middle. That's so good. I encourage each of you guys about to pray this prayer that chat with someone, someone you trust and love. It could be someone here at church or someone else, but talk to someone. It always cements it. So let's pray a prayer together. I'll pray a line, you pray a line. There's, there's 10, 15 people praying this. It's so good. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you love me just the way I am. I invite you to be in the center, to live in my heart, to be my king, and to lead me forward. I'm sorry where I've left you out, but today's a new day. In Jesus' name. All God's people said,